You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. And now, let's get into today's episode. I think we'll just dive straight in. Not many people probably know this, but how'd you guys meet? Oh, that's your story, not mine. I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had a, I, my parents had moved to Houston, and I, I finished my first year of law school, and I went down to work, uh-huh. uh, and... Uh, uh, there was a friend of a friend who lived at Three Fountains Apartments, which was where all the kind of the young singles hung out. And we had one Saturday afternoon, and we were having, having a few beers and playing guitar and uh, and uh, having, having a good time. And this girl showed up with a orange moo on. It's a but prescient in a way, uh, an orange moo on and a towel around her head. And uh, so later I, I called Tom, who I, were, I was visiting, and I said, uh, who's that girl with the towel on her head with orange moo And he said, well, that's Ann Whitey. And I said, well, is she dating anybody? He said, yeah, I think she dates this guy that plays for the Oilers, but uh, I don't think it's that serious. And so, so anyway, I called. And uh, you had a question, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing. I wanted to know how big she was <laughs> because in an orange moon, you really can't tell. You Just know yeah. how big she was. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was that was kind of pretty shallow of me. But anyway, I asked it, and he said, "Oh no, you'll you'll like her figure just fine." <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, I asked her out, and and we dated that uh, that summer, and uh, ended up getting engaged. Uh, the following December, I guess, of, 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 it was 1968. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, it's, it, uh, that was 53, four years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll say we married a year to the day from when we met. And also, I always tell people we met because of OSU. Uh-huh. So, we've been connected with OSU since the minute we met. Yeah, because Anne's a University of Texas graduate in, in math, a math in math and Latin, 
and uh, is uh, and all of my family were University of Texas people, uh, but we had moved around so much when we moved to Oklahoma when I was in high school, and yeah. I just uh, didn't want to start over again. So I. I asked my dad, I said, I'd like to go to Oklahoma State. He said, well, thank goodness it's not OU. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's a Texas Right, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, obviously, you did go to OU Law in the end. Yeah, I did. But so, initially. But, but, but marrying a UT grad got me back in the will. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had to go to UT, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so is this, when you meet, is this, this is before you go to OSU? And then you both go to OSU together, or after? no? No, this was after I'd finished OSU okay. and finished my first year of law okay. school. Yeah. So, so when so when you guys meet, then um, I, I mean, back up a little bit. Why did you want to go to OSU? I had friends from school, and and I also had a girlfriend who was going to OSU. Yeah. Okay. And, and a very nice person, and that, you know how that goes. You, those things last about oh yeah three months. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. A little into that. I had yeah. the, exactly the same experience. I had a her, girlfriend her, before I went to university, and then three yeah, months her later, father, I did not. her father played basketball at OSU. Okay. So. Yeah. And so, can I interject that some 50 years later, we were at a lovely dinner party in New York City, and I happened to have met by chance her name is Susan, Susan's mother in law. Oh, wow. Who was in her 90s. And I said, Dorothy, will you just please tell Susan if it hadn't been for her, Burns wouldn't be president of OSU? Yeah. So it all works right. So we've really kept in touch with yeah. Susan. That's yeah. amazing. And, and and you're right, like, because, you know, you, you probably would never have gone there. And then that's your, you know, as, as being a president, you kind of have to have attended the university, right? Well, most, most don't. Yeah. I'm only yeah. the second graduate that really? was president. Yeah, there's only been two in the history of the school. Interesting. Well, since 1890. So you and, and Dr. Shrum. No. Well, well now. Dr. three yeah, now, but she, Yeah, she graduated from our med school. Got you. Uh, but his, his name was Oliver Wilhelm. Okay. And, uh, Wilhelm. And he actually was president for, in the 50s and even into my second year at OSU. Okay. Which was 65. Yeah. So when you went to OSU, then did you kind of have an idea, I, this is what I want to do, I'm going to become a, you know. A, no, I, well, I went with the clear notion that I was going to go to law school. So I, in order to go to law school, I needed a degree in something. Okay. And so uh, I uh, ha happened to take an accounting course, and I don't think of myself as a real detailed math kind of guy. But uh, I took this accounting course, and I, the, Oliver Wilhelm was head of the department, and he's the one that taught the beginning classics because he wanted to hook you. Okay. And yeah. he hooked me, and so I ended up getting a degree in accounting. But I uh, it, uh, really, I didn't have, I just needed a degree sure. to go to law school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you, you growing up in, in Texas and going to UT, math is obviously a strong point of yours if you go and do a degree in math. Well, I, I did because I didn't like to read and I didn't like to talk. <laughs> so those were the easy things. And yeah. I would just go to the library and wear headphones like you have on and yeah. listen to wonderful music and just work these math problems, which was just playing games. I thought, don't tell my dad I'm not studying. I'm just having a good time. <laughs> just playing Sudoku for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I look at that and it just looks like Chinese to me. I can't. I'm, it's just symbols and numbers, and I, I'm not. Well, and then you put it together with Latin. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Which, I mean, they do go together, they do go right? Together. Most people think they would, but they do they go do. together. Exactly. Yeah. Why was it just because like they kind of go together that you fell in love with Latin, or just? I actually entered college in the school of business, and okay. my mind was too immature to understand supply and demand. That was about yeah. all I got out of economics. And so, after the end of my freshman first semester of freshman year. Mm-hmm. I decided I'd go where my best grades were rather than what my father thought was best for me. So yeah. I just loved math, and I just took that route. Yeah. So obviously, after you, Ben's after you graduate, you go to law school. And what about you? What do you do after you graduate? UT? I ended up working with IBM. Okay. And in those days, IBM was hiring female employees. Mm-hmm. I was one of the first female in the, the field of systems engineering. Yeah. So they hired an aptitude rather than experience. And I just had a, a fabulous time. Yeah. In Austin or in Houston? I was hired in Austin, but I ended up working in Houston. Okay. Yeah. And here. After we well, married. and after we married, yeah. I worked here in Oklahoma Got City. You. So then, fast forward, then that's where you guys meet is in Houston. Correct. And how, so uh, during what time, I know you said it's in the 60s, but then how do you get from together then come to Oklahoma City from then? Well, we... As I say, engaged December and were married June 8th, which yeah. is the day we met, uh, the date we met, uh, June 8th of 1969. And uh, yeah, the Army was looming. And uh, we decided to just uh, kind of drop everything and go to Europe. Neither of us had ever, ever been to Europe. And we decided to go to Europe. Yeah. And we were there for almost three months. After you graduated from law school. law school. Right. We were married right. I stayed, the first took year. took the bar exam. Yeah. Then, went, then we just took off. And uh, we, uh, we had enough money to, we were, we were going on, there was a famous book back then by Frommer, I think, called Europe on $5 a Day. And so we were, we were adhering to that. We yeah. were each, you know, we took $10 a day for the couple. So we, we went all over and, and in fact, interesting thing, you being from the UK, uh, we were in Paris. We You fly, fly to Luxembourg because mm-hmm. it was the cheapest way to fly. And I remember it was like $700 a ticket. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you can probably do it cheaper than that now. if you. But anyway, you go into Luxembourg. And then uh, we went to Paris and we went to a little hotel and uh, I, I couldn't find the bathroom. In that entire time we were in Europe, we never had a bathroom, private bathroom in our room. Yeah. And that's what five dollars a day was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I was looking for the bathroom on this floor and I saw this blonde head poke out. And uh, so I went down and knocked on his door and I said, Excuse me, but do you speak English? He says, My dear sir, I am English. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was Mike and Pauline, and we, we traveled with them, and went, we went to London then, and met, visited them in Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham, yeah, Birmingham. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, yeah, and just uh, went all around, and we hooked up with a couple in Oxford and traveled with them. They had an Austin Mini. Yeah. And then we actually... It's amazing how you can get four people in the back of that. With luggage. With luggage. We actually have a film of that. We actually (laughs) filmed our doing it. Uh, Filmed our putting the luggage in. And uh, we picked up, uh, I think, one of the very first Super Beetles that came out. Uh It had long nose on it in Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. And went to Berlin and then just traveled all the way down. So it was a a great experience. You, You never... Do it. I do remember going into Amsterdam and 
to the American Express office up in Rotterdam, one of the and my mother had sent the clipping out of the newspaper uh, of the, who passed the bar exam. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking down, and I, I look at Oklahoma City, because that's where we went to high school. I look at Stillwater. Yeah. I just, I said, how cynical can a mother be to send you? And I didn't, I didn't pass the bar. And then I, then I looked down to Bartlesville, where my parents had moved first. Uh-huh. And I was under, under Bartlesville. That was the biggest relief I've ever, I don't think I'd ever come home. <laughs> it's like I'm staying here. I'm going to take it here instead. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to stay here. But that must be... One of the things I tell everybody who graduates, I'm like, take a year off and just go somewhere, travel. Because yeah. you can always start work a year later. Like, there's jobs, there's always going to be opportunities. But you'd very, you know, when you look back, you never really get that opportunity again because, you know, some people start families, they have kids, and then, yeah. then you've got to wait 20 on. years to have sure. maybe do that. So sure. going traveling probably in your mid-20s, you know, late 60s, early 70s must have been an absolute blast. Oh, and then we were young and very people took us in. and Yeah, we stayed yeah. in a lot of homes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we could do that today. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it, it, it was a very broadening experience. And I tell the virus, I've always tell our students, if you get a chance, oh, yeah. study abroad. I mean, at least go abroad, don't yeah. Because there's so many study abroad programs at universities. Right. Yeah, I had a friend who went to OU. Actually, went to OU Law, and they have an Oxford. They have an Oxford collaboration. I think they that do. they go every six, go for six weeks. Yeah, and we have one it. in Cambridge. Yeah, so much fun. You got to see it. It's you know. And have you been back since? To oh do, yeah, yeah. To see similar places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. Were, we were just in London. We went to Ascot. Oh, lovely. To yeah. see the horse racing. Yes. How was that experience? Oh, well. Like a Real pic- horse racing. Picture right? me with a top hat and tails. <laughs> top hat and tails, and, yeah. And Aunt's, Aunt's hat had feathers. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great fun. What about what you grad invited us? Brilliant. It is. Yeah. yeah, that's got to be one of the great perks for you both as well. Is is over your time as as president first lady, getting the invites from grads who are from all over the world to say we'd love to host you, come on over, and then you have this experience, but you don't get it from a tourist sense. You get the oh, first hand sure. personal guide experience. Yeah, well, yeah thanks. You get so spoiled. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Oliver Wilhelm's predecessor, uh, Henry Bennett, who was kind of the. Not founding father, but he was he was president for thirty years or so. But he had a very international bent. Yeah. So he developed relationships with the universities, which then were all over the world. Which was then, actually, he, uh, he was a friend of Harry Truman's, and Harry Truman created a, a, a thing called the Point Four program, uh-huh. and it was uh, it was really sharing American know-how with the developing world, and one. Uh, the a university they they started or he helped start. Well, he I'm backing up. Harry Truman appointed him as the director, so he took a leave of absence from OSU, yeah. and started doing it. And in fact, was killed in a plane crash with his wife outside of Tehran uh, in I think '51. Mm-hmm. But uh, he started a university in uh, Ethiopia called Haramara University, uh, and. Uh, that was started, it kind of got going finally in 54, so basically an ag school. Yeah. But, uh, and, and Oliver Wilhelm spoke at, at Hiramar at one time, but nobody had gone there, no president had gone there since. Yeah. And then we, our 50th anniversary, we... Uh, Celebrated it. Well, we actually we flew to London. We did, there's a place called the Clifton House, which is uh-huh. out of this world, at north of London, closer to Ascot. And then went to Ethiopia, 
And I gave the commencement speech at Hiramire, which is now a university with like 30,000 students. It has a medical school. It's got a law school. It, uh, it, was, qu it was quite a great experience. And then yeah. we came back to uh, UK and uh, finished off to toasting yeah. our, our, uh, honeymoon, our 50th amazing. wedding anniversary. What a way to celebrate your 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was remarkable. But you also talk about world travels. It's oh, amazing yeah. how small the world is. And we have a bazillion stories. But one of my favorite is being in the airport in Dubai, mm -hmm. 3 o'clock in the morning Dubai time. And it is like... It's like Grand Central Station on steroids. Every and native dress, are, every language. We are hauling our luggage, and through this cross-section of chaos, somebody says, go Pokes. And so there were OSU grads who were also traveling the world. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning, he saw our luggage. So you just connect with people everywhere you go. Yeah, one of the... We visited a lot of those universities because we have these ongoing programs. Yeah. It's China Agricultural. We have a shared ag program. Uh, Southwest Jiantong in, in Chindu. We have an engineering program, Food Ed University, business programs. All, these are all in China, but they're in Turkey and Buenos Aires and Malaysia. Brazil and yeah. Malaysia, you name it, Thailand, yeah. And the, and the beauty of it is when you're, you're there, you're hosted by the university. And university presidents are a big deal over there. Not so much here, but they're a big <laughs> deal over there. I remember just as an example, in Bangkok, there's this wonderful temple. And I mean, people are lined up around it maybe twice trying to get in. We drove in the, they opened the gates, we drove in. <laughs> Because the university, yeah. so it's the, it is the ideal way to, to visit a, right. a country. It's spoiled you. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, that's the thing. Like for you know, for for people around the world, and obviously, like you come to the states, you know, there's massive universities everywhere, right? And everyone's got a logo, and everyone understands. But you don't get you know, other than you know, think of the cliche places in the UK, Cambridge, Oxford, and because I'm a golf for the University of St Andrews, Stirling up there's great, but you know, it's not. You don't really get that because of the sporting element as well. I think it raises the profile because we don't have that sporting element to, you know, you don't get an 80 to 100,000 people show up to a rugby game back home. You know, you yeah. might get eight people and they're usually wives and girlfriends of people <laughs> playing. So that obviously helps raise the profile because people love college sports. Yeah. And then, like I said, you travel with a logo and, and people recognize you. They know. Yeah. They and I think, I, I think it's a real deficiency internationally because in a way, athletics become the front door of the university. I mean, sure. a lot of people go there because of their academic programs. Okay. But it's the sporting events that bring alums back. Yeah. And then they, they rekindle their affection for the place and support it uh, yeah, academically. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And like, I said, like you said, I'm sure you, there's so many stories from your travels. And we could have a travel podcast if we yeah, wanted yeah. to. Truly. Uh, so, so when you come back then, is that, that would be past the bar. You get a job, you're at IBM and you get a job here? Or do you get a job Well, I still Alice? had another year of law school. Okay. And uh, I guess I was probably interning or I don't, doing something. You yeah. My senior but you year. had no job graduating because of the army commitment. Yeah. Okay. So then I then I got out of law, got out of law school. I kind of associated with a couple of firms because I didn't know when they were going to call sure. me. And uh, did you have a draft number then? It, well, no, I didn't no. because I was already in. And when I was in school, you had to do ROTC for okay. two years. Yeah. And I ended up doing three all four years at three years uh, in order to get a deferment to go to law school 
Okay. And when I got out, I finally switched. I originally was uh, in military intelligence and because James Bond had just come out. And I thought, tuxedos, you know, beautiful women, <laughs> that's for me. Yeah. Well, I... Shaking it, it's not the lifestyle like I want to live. Yeah, <laughs> driving out to mines all day. <laughs> so I, I ended up moving over to the, the fighting men of finance, okay. the finance corps. Yeah. And so we ended up only having to do three months at Indianapolis, Fort Benjamin Harrison, which was the, the home of the fighting men of finance, the adjutant generals, and the WACs, yeah. <laughs> what we had there. But uh, did three months there, and then I did six years in the reserves <laughs> here at the 95th Division. Okay. Why, why did you want to go to law school from a young age, then? My great-grandfather was a, in the first law class at the University of Texas. Okay. And he lived till he was 96 and was very... Uh, he was just a very prominent lawyer, but a small-town lawyer. He was, yeah. from a, he was from a little town. He wasn't in a little town called Goliad, Texas. Most people in, in Oklahoma, if they'd still do it this way, you only take Oklahoma history one semester in the yeah. ninth grade or something like that. In Texas, you take it every year. And yeah. uh, the battle cry always was, remember the Alamo, remember Goliad, because that's where Santa Ana went after the Alamo. Okay. And massacred a, an army there and then went to San Jacinto and ran into Sam Houston. And sure. that was, and then he I, I tailed it back to Mexico. Yeah. But, uh, so, so he, I, he, he was kind of my model. My, I just yeah. really liked it. Perry Mason was a big TV show in those days. Uh, it, it just, uh, I don't know. I just you go always, from James Bond to Perry Mason. Yeah. You have all these role models. Yeah. 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 So, it worked out okay, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really did. I, I practiced law. Well, we went to Indianapolis. We had our first, first son, mm-hmm. uh, first in child, I guess army. I should say, yeah. in the Army. Yeah. And uh, it cost something like $7 and something, and that's that's because Ann ate. <laughs> I was a fairly cheap baby, think about it. You're up on $5 a day, babies for $7. Well, and Ed, Ed was professional, and she brought to the marriage a color TV. And, uh, just lots of stuff. A dowry. Sure. Yeah, her sure. dowry was a largesse of stuff. Oh, that's brilliant. So yeah. did you did you know what you want, law you wanted to practice, or you just wanted to be a lawyer? I, th- I thought I'd be a litigator. Okay. I thought I'd try cases, and uh, I ended up at a firm that was very uh, uh, engaged in commercial law and in Chapter 11 bankruptcies and that kind of reorganizations and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so I I was there, it was Reynolds Writings and became became Reynolds Writings in Argus Uh in the First National Center down there. Wow. And on the 28th floor. Yeah. And then... uh, the, the firm represented the FDIC, mm-hmm. and uh, in 1982, the FDIC decided to close Penn Square Bank, which okay. was really one of the first closings of a bank since the 30s. And uh, we represented them, and, yeah. and my partner at the time was kind of starting to slow down. He was probably in his 60s. Yeah, he was really young. A lot younger than I am. 60s, yeah. And uh, he wanted, he said, I, I just don't want to take this on. And I said, well, well, I do. I mean, I was in my 30s and I was ready to go. Get, yeah. go get it. And it just ballooned into this massive crisis, really, for the state of Oklahoma. But in ter- terms of a lawyer's uh, experience, it was, uh, it was really incredible. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, 
So I, I, all of a sudden, I got bled into reorganization uh-huh. work, and uh, and uh, I stayed in that until well, I ran for governor in 1990, yeah. and uh, came back and practiced law for another seven years, I okay. guess, and, and then uh, I went to Bank of Oklahoma as the vice chairman. Yeah. And during this kind of this timeline, are you still growing at IBM? I know you have your first son. Well, what is kind of your like point up to? I do stay with IBM for yeah. several years after that, but then I reached the point where you either work or you have family. Yeah. I, and I wasn't, in those days, I wasn't willing or it, it didn't interest me. So I became interested in volunteerism and yeah. raising our children. Yeah. With the volunteer side, and I know we're going to get to this a little later, but does that come from just, I need to do something? Or it does. Do you, yeah? I, it does. I, I can't just raise these kids because they're going to drive can't. me nuts. Well, not like that. I'm not the best mother I could be if I'm not happy myself. Sure. So I think I was just raised being involved. I was involved all through school, college. Yeah. I was just, I don't sit around easily. Yeah. So I just became who I was. Right. And you have a son and a daughter? A son and a daughter. Okay. Yeah. And they're your grandkids now? Three. We do. We have a grandson with a birthday today. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday to the grandson. Yeah. Happy birthday, yeah. Oliver. That's yeah. awesome. So, what, so, <laughs> so, Burns, back to what you just said, you, you kind of go through, Pennsway Bank happens, and like I said, you're in your you know, 30s, and you, this is an opportunity that might never happen again in your lifetime, so I can understand why you're excited to do it. And then you kind of go through this period. How do we get into politics and running for governor? Because that's not, I mean, that's a big decision to make. And I'm sure you guys had many dinners together saying, hey, do I want to do this really? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> I, got, I got interested in politics pretty pretty early on. Okay. I was involved in, uh, I'm trying to get my oh, date straight. Precinct Like level. in 72, yeah. uh, I was active. So, Actually in law school, when we married, you were active. Yeah, in, uh, in, primarily in Republican politics. Okay. And I, uh, I, I worked, I, my first big role was working with uh, Henry Bellman when he ran for re-election to mm-hmm. the U.S. Senate. But I was on the state election board and uh, just, uh, I, had a, I had a high school classmate that was in the general counsel's office in Allstate in Chicago and called me and asked me if I wanted to represent them out at the Capitol. Yeah. And I said, you know, I don't, that business of going out to dinner and every night and all that stuff. I, I'm yeah. not, he said, no, no, you just bill, bill us by the hour. Just, you know, don't go out there if you don't need to go out there. So I would do that during the sessions, uh, not full time, but uh, I, I spent a lot of time out there uh, uh, at the Capitol. Even back in law school, I represent, as Ann alluded to, I I represent. I worked for the vice president of university relations, and I think I'm the first one that had that job because there was a series of much more successful politicians than I that followed in that job. But my job basically was to follow all the legislation and anything that affected higher education generally or OU specifically. Uh, I was to highlight and and get instructions of what we wanted uh, with reference to that legislation. But as I was told by the vice president, uh, your main job is to keep that bar stocked at the Biltmore Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) So I made made sure to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it started even way back then. And then uh, 
Henry Bell, Henry Bellman left the Senate and then he uh, ran a gov for governor again the second time in 1986. And of course, I was very involved in that campaign. And then he named me as chairman of the Department of Human Services. Okay. And that's that's a volunteer job. It's not a paid job. But yeah. Uh, I, as I would always say, Bellman gave you that kind of job if you didn't give him enough money. <laughs> so. So uh, I chaired the Department of Human Services during a very uh, oh, tricky time because it had always been supported by uh, sales tax. Okay. And the legislature had, or, well, maybe it was even the people, I can't remember, it was a voter. But anyway, but it was done away with. And yeah. so now all of a sudden, now we got to go with our handout to the legislature. Yeah. So that was an interesting time. And when I think back on it now, I, you, you end up closing banks, you end up suing directors of banks, you go through all of that, then you go to the welfare department. What a perfect background to run for governor. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> but I want to seriously throw in, and Henry Billman's not here to defend this, but yeah. I believe he really saw potential in Burns. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who called Burns and said, I'm not running for governor, it's all yours. Yeah. So he actually not only supported, but encouraged Burns to run. Yeah. And he'd never run for office. So and it was kind of one of those. Right. The yeah. Republican Party had made a hard right turn about then. Okay. And, and the issue of abortion had just kind of risen, yeah. risen up. And Bellman was not considered nearly conservative enough. Right. In fact, he had promoted a, a House Bill 1017, which was... Uh, to support common education with a tax in, in it, and that wasn't popular. Yeah. So there's a there's the third rung of why I shouldn't have run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, but we had a very spirited race. There were four of us basically in, in race and on the Republican side. Yeah. And a. Uh, uh, former U.S. Attorney Bill Price, who had prosecuted a lot of the county commissioners yeah. in the state, ended up getting the nomination. Okay. Uh, so, but then he was defeated in the general by David Walters. Yeah, I interviewed Bill a few months ago about his yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating story. The yeah. book's amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah he, he was very involved, and he yeah. loves politics. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he, he better at it than I was. Yeah. He uh, yeah he had some fascinating stories, and, and that was a really interesting chat with him from the corruption side. Of things, yeah. uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so during this time, then, obviously, like '95, you know, the bombing happens in '95. Were you guys living in Oklahoma City at that point? Yeah, and Very then much. working and, and around, and obviously, you have kids here in that point and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was a kind of a dark, dark yeah. day, and uh, for obvious reasons, but it would just my marriage. I was in Choctaw and heard the heard the bomb, felt the bomb. But I thought it was a sonic boom. Yeah. Because I'm out by Tinker. Right. I later found out they had banned sonic booms back in the 60s. So. Which is an also a fascinating, if you want to dive into that, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. They, yeah, but it they was, actually did that. So I didn't really realize what had happened. I couldn't yeah. get a cell uh, sure. signal. But I, and I went to another meeting and I was in that building a lot. Yeah. And of course, Ann couldn't find me and Oh yeah, and I, and I should have called, and I didn't, and I just didn't know really what had happened. But it, yeah. uh, when, when you when we bring up that, 
but in the aftermath of that, and and to lesser extent, I were very involved in trying to uh, work with the Red Cross. Yeah, yeah. And I became like, manic. It was the the emotional upheaval of a personal trying right. to find my husband and feeling like, I mean, I actually had people coming over making coffee. We were getting ready for the funeral. I mean, yeah. it was it was not a pretty day. But because of that, my response was to get very involved. So I buried myself in it. And after about a month, I thought, you know, you're in this for the wrong reasons. There are plenty of people who can take over now. You don't have to save the world. But I got involved in setting up the church for recovery. Uh And only because we lived here... I could make phone calls and call someone and say, you know, we need 72 printers or whatever we needed at the time and get results from people. So I became kind of a command center uh, coordinator. And, of course, there were no lines set up, so everyone was leaving note papers, and I would see a paper that someone left something to be done that had not been done. So I'd take that paper and get it done. So it was miscommunications until it got organized. There were a lot of people. I mean, the city really came together. It was incredible. It was an incredible time. And... uh, so anyway, yeah, and and, and interest on this theme of politics. So, uh, in 1992, uh, I was paired with Mike Turpin, who was a former Democratic Attorney General, to comment on all the primaries on Channel Four, mm-hmm. KFOR, and it went, and we did it all year long, and uh, and then in at the election, K4 beat the other stations, yeah, by it doubled them. Combined, I don't know if I said that right, but anyway, I had great ratings, and so they decided they'd make a show out of our our deal. Yeah. And so in February of '93, uh, we started Flashpoint, and uh, it was on like every other week, I think, until May, and then it went every week. And uh, the, our original moderator was Devin Skillion, who later became, and is today, the anchor of the NBC affiliate in Detroit. Then Kevin Ogle stepped in. And Kevin did it, uh, I can't remember when the transition was, but Kevin's done it a lot longer. And, and so we've, we've, we did that show uh, for 15 years. Wow. Uh, it's still on, and it's, now it's on. Mike's with Todd Lamb now. But... Uh, who, who ran for governor and lost. So that's the only way you get a TV show, <laughs> is run for governor and lose. Become the expert. Because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we did that. Uh, so I was always, with my legal career, I was always I, really a little, kind of like Ann was saying, I was really more interested in serving the yeah. community and got a number of opportunities to do that. And and that's hard to do when you're a lawyer and you're billing by the hour. Right. So we... Uh, which I always say is one of those creative times in, in life is when lawyers put their time slips together. But, but uh, I, uh, I really, uh, I so that kept us, kept us going in politics. Of course, when the bombing happened, we were, yeah. we were on the air, and, and uh, not, not literally on the air, but I mean, yeah. we're still that, we're doing shows through that. And gosh, the Branch Davidian deal in Waco, Texas, and uh, uh-huh. there's just so many tragedies that... Uh, well, the, the the OSU plane crash that killed 10, 10 people yeah. uh, was uh, all during that. So it it was, and then there were a lot of happy. Sure. And we had a lot of George W. Bush 
came by. We had Tim Russell. Oh, with, guests on your show. Yeah, lots of lots of nationally prominent guests. So that was that was a good time, and they're still on. And and. Uh, but you had to become apolitical when you went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I quit the show. Yeah, because, sure. You can't. Yeah, you can't, I can't make fun of politicians. I can't make fun. Yeah, I can't make fun of politicians anymore. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's not good for uh, for the OSU brand, is no, it? <laughs> the no. president's thing. Yes, that's right. You know, giving giving people grief just because they're political political views and, and and bills and stuff they want to pass. <laughs> Fantastic. But the, the way that show worked, I, the reason I think it worked, and I, it ratings wise, it did work. Yeah, is that uh, we tried to disagree agreeably. Yeah, I mean, we never, you know, got never talked to each other like they talk. Now on the television that you got to come here. We always said we tried and we tried to get some humor into it as well. So, I mean, I think it was Mike that coined the idea that uh, we wanted enough information uh, to be helpful, but enough silliness to make it fun. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because otherwise, you're right. Because you know, if if it has a a fun element to it, it draws people in, right? Because people just don't want to listen. Correct. People don't want to hear yeah. people get mad at each other. No, and, and and if you put in too much information, it kind of just washes out all the yeah. other stuff, right? Yeah. You have to, which is a very, it's an interesting skill for you guys to have. And obviously you guys yelled pretty well to, to have that show for as long as it was on. And, and just, yeah. you know, because, I mean, the TV world is all ratings. And if your ratings go down, then they're thinking of something else to work, you know, put yeah. in place. Yeah. So a lot of fun to have. Yeah, in fact, we were on in Tulsa on a, actually the ABC affiliate there. And, uh, they were bought by a firm, and the, and the general manager called me and he said, "A preacher wants your wants your slot for three thousand dollars. You know, pay three thousand dollars for your slot, and, and if you want to pay, pay us three thousand, or you know, get advertising, they'll give us that much, and then that's fine." I said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're supposed to pay me, <laughs> right?" So that was the end of our time in Tulsa. Yeah. So so during this time, then. The- about what you said earlier, you does the banking thing come around because you're so in, you you kind of had an interest to it from the 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 pen bank yeah, side no, of things. Not like, really. No. How do how do you get to being that bank of Oklahoma? I, I was uh, I had done some work legal work uh, with George Kai for George Kaiser in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and and George bought Bank of Oklahoma, and which had a big branch here, and and of course in Tulsa where its headquarters. And uh, George uh, invited me to come on the board. Uh-huh. I think Royce Hammonds had a lot to do with that, as a matter of fact, when he was then at uh, BOK. And uh, so I went on the board, I think, in 90, 93, maybe, something, something like that. Gotcha. And uh, so then in 97, the, the, I guess, president of the, the bank here in, in Oklahoma City wanted to go do something else. With the company, but he wanted to do something else. Is that Wayne Stone? Well, it was Wayne Stone. And uh, I said, Wayne, that was a director, and he was saying, I want to go do something else, which was really go to Arkansas and, and uh, buy yeah. banks and stuff over there for BOK. And I said, well, Wayne, you've got to find somebody. You're the face of the bank here, and uh, you're going to have to find somebody. That uh, And he finally came around. He said, well, how about you? And I said, I don't want I mean, I, I was just kind of tongue-tied. And anyway, George uh, and Stan, then Stan Leiberger, who was the, uh, the president of the overall operation, 
uh, said, uh, how about how about coming over to the bank and taking that position as vice and as vice chairman? And I remember saying, well, what about my show? And they said, oh no, we like we like you being on the show. Yeah. I mean, that's people, you know, you, good for business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's okay. that's how that's how. So I was I was at the bank for ten years. Yeah. And and in two thousand one, Frank Keating. Uh, appointed me to the regents of Oklahoma State, uh-huh. and I was did that for about five years. And then when the uh, Dave Smithley, my predecessor, sure. came, uh, let, decided to leave. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. I think one of the regents. This is a pattern. You get on a board of directors, and you end up being end up running the show. The show. <laughs> So, uh, but they, they, yeah. they, how about you? And I, Leland Gorley with the Friday newspaper had written a couple of editorials about how to be a governor. What up with that latter? He said, well, it's time we had a funny governor. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we, talk, we talked a lot about it. And, sure. and uh, finally, uh, Doug Burns, who was the chairman uh, at the time, uh, the chair of the search committee, said, uh, well, you got the law is you have to be gone from the regents, off the regents for a year before you can go to work for the university. Okay. And he said, why don't you just go ahead and resign, and at least get that time running? Sure. And you get out, got to get out of some board meetings. I mean, and I, uh, so I did. I, I resigned in July. I still had not. Hundred percent decided that that was what okay. I ought to do. Right. And I, I frankly, the the defeat in the governor's race way back in 1990, after we worked so hard. Uh, not I'm not saying we worked well, but we would work hard. Right. You clearly wanted wanted it. Yeah. yeah. And it, there was I, I had yeah. deep emotional scars from that. Yeah. And in fact, the, the, the assumption was uh, we'd run again in in '94, and I didn't. I really didn't want to, and I, I can't. I really, can't. Couldn't afford it. I mean, we put a lot of money in the race, uh, so uh, and then we. I looked, and that's when Boren stepped down from the U.S. Senate. We looked at that, and we just decided uh, to stay put. And I think it was the right decision. Yeah. Um, I mean, even had I won the governor's race, I'd, I'd probably never been president of Oklahoma State. Yeah. So it uh, it's all worked out. It's amazing when you look back, right? You yeah. look back at little turns and people you yeah. meet and how you end up in. I mean, it's fascinating. But they how finally said where they're at. That's why you relax with what's happening. Yeah. Just to, let just, it happen. Yeah. So in 2000, so I, re- I resigned from the Regents January 1st of 2007. Uh-huh. And we were getting close. And they said, you need to put in an application. You know, you've got to. I said, I don't want to look. You know everything about me. I don't want to do that. And deep inside, I just didn't want to lose again. (laughs) You know? And I had had a wonderful run as chairman of the chamber for a couple of years and and just a lot of great positions. And I just didn't want to... I just didn't want to lose. I t- talked to George Kaiser, and he mm-hmm. he said, "Well, he was on the uh, higher regions, state regions, at one time under Bellman, and he he said, well, I don't think you know, you'll have a short honeymoon, but it it gets pretty rough.' Yeah. So uh, I finally decided to go go for it, and uh, December's I think it was December seventh. Is that your dad's statement about if ten 
people tell you. Know, you. T- yeah, ten people tell you you're drunk. You ought to lay down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's so true. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, he's had a great lied was, don't worry too much about what other people think about you, because the truth is, they don't think about they you very much. They don't think about you at all. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah. you win. You win. You win. Well, you... I get picked by the yeah. Regents, and uh, it, uh, and that was in December, and then in, and I was kind of working mm-hmm. for the university a lot, uh, and in March, uh, the governor, uh, Governor Brad Henry, and the legislature passed uh, a bill that shortened that time to six months, so I was able to take over as president March 10th. Yeah. The other interesting thing that happens is once you're named in that position, whether it's your position or not, others assume you are. Yeah. So Burns was hit with many decisions that were not his to be made, and right. it was like the university was in a stagnant place. So I think that was another reason why it just needed to be done. Yeah. Yeah, because you're in a weird place then, aren't you? You're like, I know I'm next, but I'm my job, the, the person who's who's finishing still got to finish well, out actually, there. Actually, the yeah. one that yeah. finished, well, it was, it was a little more smooth than it was more smooth than that. Yeah. Uh, because Dave, Dave Smidley had actually been gone about a year. Ah, uh, okay. And he went to the University of New Mexico. Okay. And... Uh, 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 very able academic named Marlene Straith, who was the provost, became the interim president. Mm-hmm. But Marlene would, if there was any issue that yeah. outlived her time as president, she would call me and we'd, we'd yeah. talk about it, what we ought to do. The big issue at the time that I was having to deal with is our hospital in Tulsa. And uh, they, when I was chairman of the Department of Human Services, the teaching, OU teaching hospitals were under DHS. In fact, the state had put a lot of stuff under DHS just because it had that dedicated sales tax. And the question was, do we want title to that hospital over there? Because it sure. was hit under Thor. And I wanted no part of that because I dealt with it before, yeah. and I'd been on the Integris board. Yeah. And so it just, uh, I don't know, and we were going round and round about that. So yeah. it, uh, that was the big thing that was taking all the time. Plus, you're, you're trying to figure out What's what? Sure. And it's just what I advise my successor, Casey Shrum, is don't, don't try not to make any decisions you don't have to make. Yeah. I mean, there will be decisions you have to make. But in terms of moving people around and just let just settle in, understand the chemistry, understand the culture, who to listen to, who to watch out for. And, yeah. And uh, it takes a few months for that to that right. to percolate. Yeah, and, and to that point, she did take over probably the hardest first year. Oh, yeah. First well, years with oh, all yeah, COVID bless and her heart. I mean, it wasn't like, what, what I mean, days yeah. after July, July 1st, the yeah. OU Texas uh, NCA uh, yeah. uh, uh-huh. departure was announced. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So so you win, you, you, you know, do you just pack up the bags and move to Stillwater? Like, <laughs> I mean, what? you live in Stillwater at that time? Like, would you commute? No, no, no. There, no? Was, there was a president's house there. Okay. And Marlene was not living in it. Okay. And uh, so and we, we've had our home, the one we're in now, we bought in 1987. And we decided not to sell it because we've thought really, my first contract was a three-year contract. Okay. So, and I think the expectation was I'd stay five uh-huh. because I, I was 62. Yeah. When, when I became president. So, uh, 
Uh, so we kept the home here in Oklahoma City, and uh, we but we lived up in and we lived on the road as much as we sure. lived in the Wilhelm House. So yeah. raising money and, and I, my view of my job was to to, to basically run the operation uh-huh. or manage the operation uh, to uh, raise money and to deal with the politics. Yeah. And uh, because it's a very political place internally and externally. Uh-huh. Yeah. Woodrow Wilson, when he ran for governor of New Jersey, had been president of Princeton. And reporters asked him why he was running for governor, and he said to get out of politics. <laughs> so it, uh, it's a, uh, Anne, I would describe, now you can, can correct me if I'm wrong, but Anne was uh, not just jumping for joy that we were doing this. I mean, you get, you get to 60s, life. you think, I want, I want, it's it time was, to slow down oh, well, no, and enjoy life. No, it wasn't slowing down. It was truly enjoying yeah. the good life. Yeah. And it was a lot of leisure time. Travel. The kids are older now. They're taking care Grand of themselves, kids, right? Travel. I mean, it yeah. was a beautiful time of life. So why rock the boat? We know <laughs> how much fun this is. Yeah, yeah. they swamp so. the boat. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't that I objected. It was like, it, it wasn't. A desire sure. of mine. Yeah. So, Anne will always say, same way with the governor's race, Anne loved, ended up loving the governor's race. I she wanted to run in 94. Yeah. And uh, so. I'm slow to move. I'm slow I, to make I, I a kind decision. You have to drag her, kick her, and scream <laughs> these things. And uh, she ended up uh, just being the brightest star on that campus. It was yeah. just wonderful, wonderful. Did, so did you, and did you kind of fall in love with the, back to like your kind of love to, to give back, raise money, be involved? All of it. You must have fallen in love with that I stuff, I fell surely. in love with it. I yeah. did. And I started out not knowing, I didn't know how many colleges were in the university. I knew nothing. Right. I, there's a long story about how little I knew that I should have known. But in order to know more about this university, I got involved and I took a, a tour of something every week. Yeah. And then I also was a certified yoga instructor, so I was asked to okay. teach some classes, which, and you find the top 10% of everybody in, in an organization is the top 10% taking the opportunities. So consequently, I was teaching yoga to the dean's wives or the active people on campus. So yeah. when we would have a reception, I would know the spouses. And Burns was kind of going, how do you know those? Well, they were in my yoga class. So I got to know an element of the school that I wouldn't have if I'd just Mm -hmm. gone to it. And I didn't plan it that way. It just happened that way. And likewise, as I selfishly was trying to get to know the university, I was visiting places. You said, we've been on this campus for 30 years. Nobody's ever come to visit us. And so people were grateful that I was just curious. And it was a selfish motive on my part. So it all sort of evolved into this serendipity Wonderful sure. experience. Everywhere I went, it was like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Well, and being around 25,000, 20-year-olds is, is, yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. You notice when I talked about the things that I do, uh, one thing I didn't mention is academics, uh-huh. and that was on purpose. I mean, my, I'm not an academic. Yeah. Uh, I think my job is to hire a really good provost. Uh, that and I ended up having, I ended up having the final approval on dean candidates and mm-hmm. that, the like. The one thing I did that was uh, that r- really taught me a hard lesson is there was a proposed, and I won't go into de- details about it, but there was a proposed uh, 
research project. It would involve uh, injecting baboons with uh, anthrax or other lethal agents uh, and then seeing how they reacted to various treatments. Yeah. But in the end, they were to be uh, euthanized. And uh, I, I had, and I still am on the board of OMRF, and I talked to, God rest his soul, Steve Prescott, who was the director then, who counseled me on it. And uh, I did a little bit other due diligence, and I decided that we don't want to get involved in this. We, we basically had the deal because we, were, we had the lab yeah. that you had to have for that kind of uh, primary research. Sure. And the real uh, principal uh, uh, guy was in Boston, mm -hmm. but he had been here. Yeah. Anyway, I decided not to do it. Well, it just caused all kinds of the the one of the scientists that was going to do the project wrote a letter to the editor of the Oklahoman and the Tulsa World, and uh, said I was frustrating the war effort and I was you bid the being an anti-research, and I was in yeah. every science magazine in the world, plus, With the time news, on your back. plus Newsweek and, yeah. and Time had an article about what they have. Of course, I was being applauded by the animal rights activists, but that wasn't really why I did it, and, right. I, and I can't really talk about why the bottom line. Anyway, uh, the... The uh, faculty council did an inquiry into it, and oh, and the other complicating factor was Boone Pickens, kind of the patron saint yeah. of OSU's wife, Madeline Pickens, was a uh, is a strong animal rights activist, and the thought was on campus that I had bit to her will. I, I never talked to Madeline ever about right. any of this, uh, but. Uh, it, it was a grim, miserable time, and I finally learned the hard lesson yeah. uh, that in academics, process trumps outcome. If you don't go through the process, I should have gone to the Animal Rights Committee. I should have gone to the, it's not the, that's not what it's called, but uh, met with the dean of yeah. the vet school, just done, just touched all the bases, the faculty council. I could. I think. I think it would have been fine. Yeah. And but so, again, that's why education is slow to move because you have sure. to get build that consensus, and it takes a long time rather than just make the right decision and move. Yeah. The, the other thing that happened really early on in our time up there was we had a big, big beautiful library lawn, and a concrete block wall was being erected by students out just right there uh, on the sidewalk. Yeah. And. They were spray painting every vile, awful yeah. word you can think of, or, or words. Sure. And I just thought, here comes some mother from Dallas with her daughter, yeah. and they walks by and sees this thing. And so I was kind of Ronald Reagan, tear down this wall. Well, the uh, student affairs uh, vice president came to see me, and she said, you know, it, this this thing is being built. And, and being defiled uh -huh. uh, so that they, in three days they will knock it down with sledgehammers to symbolize destroying hate. And if you if you tear down that wall, this whole thing will be over in three days. Yeah. But if you tear down that wall, I mean, you're going to be messing with this for months. Oh, wow, yeah. And I, and I actually took her advice. <laughs> 
And uh, close your blinds. She said, close your blinds. Don't walk that way. <laughs> Three days. Just give me just three, give days. three days. And don't allow visitors on campus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. But you're right, because people walk up the street to, you know, up that lawn, and it's right there. Oh, oh man. You can't miss it, can you? Oh, I, I walked by, and I couldn't believe yeah, what they were doing. Yeah, it makes you Oh, jeez. So, so yeah. and back to kind of the yoga thing. You were very health conscious then, and, and that does that lead into you just kind of starting and, and leading this kind of Oklahoma's, uh, I mean, Sorry, the nation's healthiest campus. Yeah, kind America's of, yeah. America's Probably campus, one, right? one thing led to another, but yeah. I will say there was an atmosphere on campus when I got there, uh-huh. thanks to another generous donor named Bud Serenity, okay. who believed in this in the 90s. Yeah. So long before I got there, there was a wellness center, uh-huh. unlike many other universities. That was for faculty and staff, not so much for students. Uh, okay. So, yes, it was. there were things in place, but we just sort of made the communications. And yeah brought awareness to the forefront and combined students and faculty staff. Right, yeah. Because everyone knows the, the freshman 15, right? right <laughs> you get to school right. and you're like, now I get to eat whatever I want. And, and I get believe to eat, me, you know? it does exist. It's still oh, yeah. so you're just fighting it. No doubt. But it's really cool to, to kind of tie in your kind of love and passion for Yeah, for how genuine it all came right. about. It yeah. wasn't forced. I mean, it just came from the athlete, end. Very good tennis player, yeah. water skier, Golf, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not scared of the water, but I would break something if I would to ski on snow or ski on water. <laughs> I, I'm better in the boat. Yeah, I'll stay in the boat, stay in watching the boat others for sure. <laughs> What's um, what, what uh, I guess when, when you're during this 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 kind of period where you where you're you're you know, you're you're in charge of the university, what uh, what are the, some of the stuff that like common misconceptions people think that you? I mean, obviously you get all the perks and you get to go to all the games and have a great time, but you really don't have a downtime. What are the common misconceptions of people think that, oh, life must be great as a president and first lady of a university? Yeah, I, well, and it is great and for it the is. most part. Yeah. It is. But it, uh, I think they think I, one of the concerns making me president was my lack of academic experience. Uh-huh. And uh, and I, I had the same concern. But I, I, I kind of... You know, you go from, gee, I'm not qualified till I'm perfect for this job. <laughs> because was made for, I was made for this yeah, job. And, yeah, and, you know, in many ways, I think I was. We were trained, in, yeah. Because of all of our activities, uh, all the political activities over the years, the uh, notoriety as a result of that television show, I had raised a lot of money a lot of times. Ann and I had done a lot of that uh, during our time here before the job, OSU job. So the more I thought about it, the the real the real job here mm-hmm. is uh, is to raise money. We needed yeah. money either from the legislature or from private individuals. Yeah. Uh, we so at, at the politics and fundraising was there, and I, I t- had experience running an operation sure. there at Bank of Oklahoma. So you just, uh, in my opinion, in this day and age, fundraising is the prime. You know, I mean, you want somebody that's competent to run the business sure. and be the face of the university. But to be a good fundraiser, you're going to have to be the face. You've got to get out and, and, and get with it. And it's uh, uh, so I really did. I think I think that worked well. And I just always tried to have a very experienced provost. Uh-huh. And we talk about it and we talk about the things. But I would almost always defer to whatever their their advice was. Yeah. 
I think on, another, on academics. Yeah. A misconception on another note is people think you're busy every single minute of 24 7. And when you're on a college campus, most events are over, at least the receptions we would have by eight o'clock. Sure. Because students, their, their night starts after they leave your house. Yeah. So a lot of nights we were through by eight or nine. Not when we were out of town, because usually when you're doing sure. adult entertainment, you're going later hours. But anything involving the students is over fairly quickly, and uh, no alcohol, and you're just, uh, you know, it's relaxing. It's yeah. it's invigorating while it's happening, but you're not stressed till midnight every single night. Although right. we would do three and four events within a night, every single night. Yeah. So you're going a lot, but you can just, actually, I think you touch and go so much. You just go, you make your appearance, and you're gone. I, it dawned on me one Sunday we were in church, and I thought, I've been here long enough. But we don't do that in church. <laughs> yeah, so, I've shaken the hands I need to shake. It's time to go. I know. My wife would love that. <laughs> she, I said my prayer. She could definitely do that schedule. Yeah. Okay, we've been here now. We've got a picture. It's time to leave. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny. But you're right, though, because, and, and the, sort of the bad side of it, or the, the downfall of that is when you're at a place you're like I really want to stay but I have eight and six For other sure. engagements to go For to sure. that's the, the you sad got both part, sides right? of that yeah because you because you, you know you go to one you're like I really want to be here you know? yeah. so back on the fundraising early on and I, having been a region I do the financial situation and so we got and we got very lucky because the state of Oklahoma had a program endowed matching endowed chairs dollar for dollar uh-huh. And I was called to the legislature early in the springs. We're, we're getting rid of this thing, or we're dramatically cutting back on it. And I said, well, well, when? And they said, well, we think July 1st of next year. Yeah. And, I, and that was important because at the time, OSU had really not pursued that very much. And we had about $12 million in the queue to be matched. And OU had in the $80 million range yeah. to be matched. And it was first come, first serve. Well, then in May, they come back and we've decided to cut it off July 1st. This is a wait. I started. <laughs> Great. And so I figured, I, and David Bourne and I, who have been friends for many, many years, uh, he was in law school for a little bit of my time there. Uh, David and I agreed that we would, whatever we each had at, uh, on July 1st, we'll just split it radically. So if he had raised fifty million and we had raised fifty million, then we'll each get fifty. So that's uh, so. Or if they had two thirds and we had one third, that's that's the way it would work. Yeah. Uh, so I just thought I had to catch OU immediately. Yeah. So I, I, as I flippantly say, when you need a hundred million dollars, what do you quick? What do you do? You fly to Dallas. You fly to, to Dallas Boone to Biggins. see Boone Biggins. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, Every, yeah. what, one misconception is I think most people think every one of my fundraising letters began, Dear Boone, or Dear Mr. Biggins. <laughs> and uh, so Boone agreed to do that. Yeah. And so we had a hundred million in, in the bank, and that probably got us pretty even with, with OU. And then we re- and we he agreed that he would match his hundred million would match any money that was given by private do- other private donors Amazing. and it the head chair would be in their name not his name. What a guy! And so we raised sixty six million dollars. He I, I never lived it down because he's a you left you know you left thirty thirty whatever it is <laughs> yeah. in my bath. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
but uh, we and we ended up so that launched us into uh, a fundraising campaign which was called branding success uh-huh. yeah it was first supposed to be called unbridled and uh, darn if SMU didn't get unbridled before we did so yeah. we we went to branding success to that point of, of Boone, what, you know, because obviously he's very involved and his name's on the building at the Hall of Fame and, and, and just kind of his legacy is, is, I mean, the reach is incredible. What what do you, I mean, what are your like best memories of Boone and, and from for both of you, whether it's from a president and first lady perspective or just as a, hey, I met you before we were president? Well, what comes to mind? Not, not, not many people get to just spend as much time with a legend as, sure. as we did. I mean, and he's going to his ranch. Oh, many, many times. times. Yeah. Yeah, he really is, was, I mean, he was a legend in the country. I mean, he had, yeah. he had made his mark in uh, shareholder rights. They called him a raider, corporate raider. But yeah. uh, he was, uh, he had made, and I, I, we'd met him. We were at a dinner party at Bellman, when Bellman was governor. We were at a dinner party with uh, Boone and his then wife. Yeah. B was, yeah, B. And, uh. I, uh, that's, but I think that's the only time I was around him until I became a regent. And he, I, we worked a lot on something that was called Gift of a Lifetime, which actually didn't turn out working very well. But I, I was with him a lot yeah. in that, during that. In fact, they would meet in my conference room. It'd be okay. Yeah. And we just kind of hit it off. And in, in fact, I, one day we were going to have a meeting on that with several people. And I picked him up at the airport. And, and uh, in his whatever he had then, big, big airplane. Yeah. And uh, I remember exactly where we were. We're just short of me turning in the garage under under the BOK building. And he said, "You know, you, you ought to be president of OSU." And I said, "I can't do that, Boone. I'm not an academic. I mean, I probably can't take the the money cut." He said, "Well, how much money do you have?" And I said, "Well, that's kind of personal." <laughs> Not as much as you, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his second book was called "The First Billion Is the Hardest," and I said I've always found that to be true. Yeah, still working on that. Yeah. But he was—he's uh, he, just—he was very direct. He—he uh, uh, he was a visionary. Uh, he just—and uh, we got to do so many things uh, with Boone over the years. Uh, and he never forgot his Holdenville roots. I mean, yeah. every time I was around him, he initiated, hi, Boone Pickens. I mean, whether that person knew he who he was or not, that was the way he introduced every conversation. Right. He would be the first. I think there was just a lot of... Yeah, I was involved humble. when... I don't think I was on the board here, but I was involved. I was on the board at one time. But I I think he... he with this his name going on this building and that and the money that was yeah. was being talked about I worked with him on that yeah. and I think I can't remember what it was six million maybe or something like that so uh, but we just got to do so many things I mean in New York and we went to the Reagan Library for the debates uh, when uh, uh, when I guess no Trump oh. wasn't in on that was he no that no, was that, that, was, that was before that, that. yeah. Uh, but uh, and the Mesa Vista Ranch is remarkable, and it's a. It's a coincidentally, the, the it was about seventy-five thousand acres, and it was called Mesa Vista. Uh-huh. The ranch immediately to the north, where the Mesas were, is uh, owned by another OSU graduate, Harold Corson. And I was I was at the ranch 
for some, I don't know why I would have been out there, just maybe Mike Holder and I had gone out there. And we're sitting at, at dinner, and Boone had Harold come over for dinner. And out of nowhere, Harold says, you know, Boone, something's been really bugging me. And I, he said, what's that, Harold? And he said, it, 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 but, and he said, like, got 75,000 acres and lots of oil. And right. All and he said, you've named your ranch Mesa Vistas, but the mesas are on my ranch. So you're using my, my, my Vista to name your ranch, and I think you ought to pay me something for it. And I'm going oh, need to, how do I get out of this room? And Boo said, okay, what do you think I ought to pay you? And he said, well, you always say you're such a fair man. I mean, you just, look, Harold, if you're like that, I'm getting so uncomfortable. And then, and then I find out this, that they do this to every fresh fresh meat that walks in there. So, real, but real characters. He, we, one, one of the most magical, and I still kick myself oh, yeah. for not recording it, yeah. Ace Greenberg, who is, was from uh, Oklahoma City, actually played football at OU for a year, but ended up finishing in Missouri, was, was the managing partner of Bear Stearns in New York. And it was Ace that did all the early buy, buying of stock that Boone was trying to get in and get control of, of whether it was a Unical or City Service or you know, Phillips, you name it. And uh, uh, Ace is a master bridge player, but he's also a magician. And one night, he had all the little kids that grew up on the ranch, which, by the way, Boone would send to any college they wanted to go to. He'd pay for the whole thing. Uh, he, uh, Ace, and, and so he, he came over, and Ace did magic tricks for, for the kids. Then they left, and we're sitting in this great room, which is just enormous, with two big fireplaces. Walk-in fireplaces. Incredible art. Yeah. And uh, he, had, he had, Ace and Boone got to talking about all those takeover tries. Would and, have been your best podcast ever. Yeah. Yeah. It would. Yeah. He, yeah, I've, I've, there are interviews, I've, I've, I interviewed him several, he didn't like to give speeches. He liked yeah. to be interviewed. Well, he'd kind of go off track. Well, yeah. I mean, he's all over that. <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, the, the, the Pickens plan was being where moved to natural gas uh-huh. and wind turbines, and he's, he's just always doing something. And yeah. it, it was uh, it, mine like it's, a steel it, trap. He would carry on conversation. He'd say, "Where are you from?" And somebody said, "Well, I'm from Paul's Valley." And they go, "Oh, you know that little gas station right there on 32nd and 12th? What, do you think that is Fred still there? I mean, he was bringing up names and everybody. dates oh, for every, everywhere, everybody, every time." Yeah. And Burns said he made them all up. I don't know. You know I, I think, yeah, I think, I think just probably, pulling them out. Yeah. He was good. Oh, he it. was so good. But his uh, right hand person is Sally Godmuller, uh-huh. also Jay Rosser. And Sally, uh, one time, Sally called, called and said, "Miss Pickens wants to talk to you." And I'm, oh God, that doesn't sound good. And he gets on the phone. No, how you doing? How's Ann? How's the weather? How does it? Is Sally says I'm paying out-of-state tuition for these kids that, I'm, that are going to OSU. And I said, Well, yeah, they, they're out of state, Boone. The ranch is in Texas. Yeah. He said, I knew that. But he, he said, How much money do I have to? give to get in-state tuition. And I said, 
Well, you do, you haven't given any money for in-state for scholarships. I mean, you gave money for, you know, the endowed chairs. You gave money for the stadium. You gave money for the, the, the geology department. But you didn't give anything to just click. It's <laughs> something off on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so good. He, he would, you know, people thought he ran the, ran the university. He, he, he would certainly tell me what he thought we ought to do. Big yeah. picture. Yeah, yeah. But, he but never I, got in the weeds. No, no, but well, there's one time he really got in the weeds, and that was we had a geology professor who wrote an article, a uh, scholarly article about the cause of earthquakes in Oklahoma, which was, uh, he, he thought it was the salt, salt water disposal wells, yeah. that we were putting too much water down. And, and Booth said, you got to get rid of that guy. I mean, that's outrageous. <laughs> and I said, but it doesn't work that way. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I, you, you can't fire somebody for what they think. And right, and then I think he hung up them too. <laughs> so, so he he would he would get mad at me about whatever. I don't think he got mad at no. me as much as he just. Opinion. Yeah, but he he didn't he didn't always get his way. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean the time that you were there. I mean, there's so so much happened, and and just athletically, non-athletically. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, and, and I remember you guys made an appearance last year, right, at the stadium. You had something going on. I think you made an appearance. And I remember... Yeah, just, we, were, we were the grand marshals. That's right. Oh, uh -huh, for the homecoming, yes. yeah. And just kind of yes. seeing that. And I'm sure it would be great to come back and, and be in the stadium and, and around that. But outside of all the kind of glitz and the glamour of, you know, first lady and president and being on in the middle of the field and stuff... What's some of the things that, that you just, like, loved that people probably think, well, why would you like that? Like, you know, you guys got to do a lot of cool stuff, but is there anything that you really miss from being, you well, know, first lady and president of, of, of a miss, university? Miss the kids. Very much. Really? Oh, oh my know, gosh, around, yes. Being around those kids. Yeah. I had spent 40 years, you'll have to do the math for me, and in, you know, in a tall building downtown. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was just never around kids like that that yeah. age. And the energy that they've got and the wonderment and the excitement of, it's just a, it's a, it's a wonderful time of life for the, those kids. And to be around it, you've, I had one university president tell me, if you ever get frustrated, just wait till the change of class and get out and just walk around and you'll come back invigorated. Yeah. And it's really true, and and, and I, we're still we're still involved. I, I'm I'm chairing our leadership program. Josh Taylor actually runs it, and of course, and uh, pet therapy program continues to be unique and effective. Huge. So we're going to celebrate 10 years this coming year. So we started Amazing. in 2013. It is. So it goes along with America's Healthiest Campus because we're trying to uh, address some of the emotional needs of our students. Yeah. So you get the whole gamut there again. You get the students who are squealing so excited to see a dog. They miss their dog. and That's one uh, of the things I missed when I first came to university was growing, being around dogs. So you totally understand around, that. Oh, I get it, yeah. Uh -huh. And we are everywhere on campus. We're in the library in the student union. Yeah. We're on special calls. People can call. We've had a professor call and say, I'm going to give a pop quiz. I need a dog. <laughs> so we have therapy dogs for that. So it's every uh, orientation, 
new yeah. student orientations, every visit. We're, we have dogs all over campus. So anyway, it's, it's a and, tremendous... And the dogs are... It's, it's, usually, I think, the, the lawyers say don't do that because the dog could bite somebody and all right. that. but these dogs and their owner handlers are trained yeah. I mean, they, yeah they're nationally certified through two different organizations so it's pretty serious it's a serious job yeah. but it's a lot of fun who and doesn't love dogs huh? right? I mean who doesn't love well like, it's dogs? funny there well, are I mean there are people right yeah. I'm a dog yeah. person I've never been a cat person if you're listening yeah. you're a cat person <laughs> I get it <laughs> I think we're, we're, uh, we're both we're, we're cat we're people both. yeah but it's, dogs, that but reminds no. me about my uh, sensitive wife uh, or uh -oh. Empathetic wife who, uh, uh -oh. after the baboon episode, oh, uh -huh. gave me a coffee cup with the baboon handle. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the humor side of me, yeah. like about yeah. things. Yeah, that ten ten years is that's that's really cool. Ten years and nationally recognized. We've spoken all over that, and it lets the students grow too, because we also have a student organization that volunteers with the pet therapy program. And there again, my favorite story on a particular student named Ashley. When she came to OSU, she was so shy, she couldn't make eye contact. She connected with one particular dog, and then she would come back to see, because you can look up on social media and see where the dogs are when. And so she followed Charlie, and she made Charlie a little bow tie, and it grew and grew to oh, the point brilliant. when she was a junior, she flew with us for the, her first time to ever be on an airplane. She flew with us to a national conference and spoke. At the wow. conference, so she has blossomed beyond yeah. belief. So just to watch those stories happen through the dogs is yeah. so remarkable. And our dog Scruff, is, I guess, the first, flunked his first test. <laughs> Certificate. He barked he bar at the trainer. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, Scruff had been it was shot. Uh, he had been shot. He was yeah. he was a stray, and somebody shot him, and probably was getting in garbage or sure. whatever. And uh, we. The girls took him to the vet school, and the vet school said that uh, they could fix it, but it would be very expensive, and he may not use it. He's been without it so long. Yeah. And uh, so the girls put Scruff's face on Facebook. Which was fairly new at the time. Yeah, right. and told the story and, uh, and and what he needed, and they raised over $6,000. Oh, my gosh. I thought to myself, what a great scam. I mean, just find a cute dog. <laughs> That's in need. Yeah, yeah. some scurrilous character could just yeah. make a story up. Anyway, uh, they they did fix it, and I guess that's when we were kind of dating with Scruff. We were really... Yeah. Well, we were just starting our pilot, yeah. our pilot program. The vet school called me and said, we have a great dog for the program. He yeah. would be a great therapy dog. He lets us do anything to him. And I said, well, that's great. Good. Thanks. And the next thing I knew, we were sharing the dog like two hours on Sunday. The vet school would hang for two yeah. weeks. The students would hang for three days. I didn't know who the dog was, but it was when the vet school called me and said, we think we're going to have to amputate this leg. And I said, well, he's not even my dog. I mean, yeah. don't, don't ask my permission. He's not even mine. But anyway, somehow he became our dog. In spite of, I didn't know it. But he we wouldn't were, use the leg. I mean, he would just kind of flop it over, and, and yeah. it was just... Uh, in the way. In the way, yeah. yeah. And uh, so they were going to take the leg off. It'd be fine as a three-legged dog. Yeah. And uh, a vet, what Sips? Sip. Sips, real name. That uh, had studied uh, studied acupuncture in China. Yeah. And they tried acupuncture and doing the treadmill underwater. And, and, yeah. And 
uh, beep runs like a rocket ship. Wow. Yeah. Because a lot of people just said, yeah, that's fine. Like, just pay for it. Like, if you need to, you, you trust the, you know, and yeah. it's not that the doctor didn't know what they were doing, but that's just what they would have done. Yeah. Of course. And now it's because the trick is trying to connect, reconnect the nerves sure. with the brain. And, yeah. And it, uh, it worked. That's fascinating. And that? he's a superstar. So this year he was just inducted into the Oklahoma Animal Hall of Fame. Did you know there was? Such I had thing? no idea. No, now I need to look no, that up. He was totally speechless. <laughs> I had no idea either. But he's representing the program. And we were That's out of town, and our kids took him to the the event. Yeah. And he. Uh, he was speechless again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he didn't yeah. even bark. Thank goodness. Yeah. Just very like, why am I here? What is going on? <laughs> Somebody feed me a treat. Uh, finishing up then, last question, because I know you guys are going to get ready to leave town. Um, if you could snap your fingers and have one thing happen at at, the, at OSU, I mean, dream or what what would that be? Would it be Garth coming home and playing? Would it be national championship? Would it be academically? Kind of what what would be your if we could have just one wish? Well, I'd I'd uh, I'd wish that uh, it had the resources to be as good as it could be. Uh, it, uh, it just has to manage inadequate resources. And uh, so that, that, that would be it. I'd also wish to, that it has good leaders, which I think Casey's from is, so that's good. That's a very political answer. If you <laughs> <laughs> Told you I've been but around we But we do feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Anne? Does anything come to mind? You don't have to give a political answer if you don't want to. No, I mean, you know, we love so much about OSU. I guess I would just hope for complete uh, recognition of the value the school has for so many individuals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's in every area, right? In every you know, area. I follow the golf side, and you know, very, very, very good, very accomplished women's and men's golf, sure. golf team. Sure. But, um, you know, it's been great to see, I mean, cross-country, baseball, basketball, football. Like, it's, it, and that, that obviously, that's probably what a lot of people see most of is the Through athletics. the athletics. But from the academic side, there is so much more going on. Yeah. As well. And we also, excuse me for interrupting, but we never got into the art side because through mm -hmm. the arts, we have tapped into another audience of people who are not athletically inclined, yeah. but they are into performing arts. So we have, through the McKnight Center for the Performing Arts, we have been able to gather a whole new group of supporters coming to campus. Yeah, that, that probably, people people say, what 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 are you, what's your proudest accomplishment? And I, sometimes I say, I, I caused us to put a sprinkler system in. We did not have a sprinkler system. And uh, we got- That was your first accomplishment. That was my first yeah. accomplishment. And probably, uh, the, 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 in terms of a moment mm -hmm. uh, in time, it was uh, October, uh, 11th, I think, of 2019, when we opened the uh, McKnight Center with New York Philharmonic. And I mean, I didn't have a dry, it was just, it was just so momentous. Yeah. I just couldn't believe that little Stillwater America has the New York Philharmonic. And how we got it is a, a whole other story, yeah. but it- uh, Connections. It just, uh, it, it just puts you on the map. Yeah. We, my parents came to town 
couple of years ago, 2019 homecoming. We had tickets. Uh-huh. I've never been to a football game before in their entire life. My brother. They had not. They had never been to a football <laughs> game. And I took my brother and my dad to homecoming. And we played Baylor in 2019. Uh, had great tickets. And my brother, who is five years younger than me, couldn't get over the fact that there was, you know, a uh, a hundred thousand people to watch twenty-one-year-old or twenty-year-old kids run around football, and yeah. their favorite thing was the fact when Bullet ran out, they were they they couldn't believe it. Like, Here comes Bullet! There was so <laughs> I got so many videos of that. Oh, um, but I've had great. some amazing experiences at Stillwater with family because of that. Um, you know, because of football and, and, and even golf now as well. So, um, you know, we took our grandkids oh. over to ride Bullet. Yeah, B- Bullet hasn't lived. He has a very nocturnal existence right. because he, if he is in the sun too much, he fades. Yeah. And uh, so, but he came out that day, and, and of course, what he yeah. said, stadium. But we had a new billet, and it was the was it confetti that was on the on the field? Yes. Or yes. Made just nervous and crazy, right. and uh, I've seen that one other time downtown. It was, was this, we had the Olympic mm-hmm. uh, festival, mm-hmm. and they had the horses coming through, and there's all this confetti on the. They, and, I mean, they, they don't want any part of that. Yeah, I, I, I've had I had at least Wade on the podcast. She wrote Bullet, I think, up until nineteen or twenty, and she said this. She said the, there was. First time I think she wrote out, he didn't want to go back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that may have been the time we yeah, saw Yeah, she said that he was also scared of Bucky and Joe uh, uh-huh. from Eskimo Joe's. I right. think is what she said. I think that's right how they say the names. Yeah. But she was like... Okay, uh, with Pistol Pete. Yeah, yeah, great. But, did, but couldn't, couldn't face the bunny the or whatever. You know, was scru- yeah, the, the, like Pistol Pete. Yeah, so going back the, to 2019 homecoming, I think mm-hmm. Ricky Fowler was the homecoming. Probably, yeah. And so we had a chance to be in the parade. There's a lot of stand uh-huh. around dead time. So we had a chance to be with Ricky and his wife, fiance at the time, Allison. And I said, Ricky, do you remember taking yoga at, when you were at OSU? Because he was only there one year. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah. He said, he turned to Allison. He said, I've been saying I need to get back into it, haven't I? I mean, he, he said he loved it. And Mike McGraw, who was the golf coach at the uh-huh. time, had his golf team come in. I was teaching them yoga. And I said, do you know who your instructor was? He he says, no, I haven't the faintest idea. <laughs> so it just shows, you know, freshmen in college could give a rip. As to They're just told to do something, they do it. But that's brilliant. my claim is I taught Ricky Fowler yoga, but he doesn't know it. Doesn't know it. No. Oh, it's, and there's so many experiences like that of oh, all the yeah. alumni that come back, right? And, and the, you know, whether, like I said, whether it's athletics or not athletics, you have such a great relationship, you know, through the university to people, whether it's traveling through Dubai and you get and go pokes out of nowhere or, right. you know, right. or, or walking through town it's it's fascinating but thank you so much for your time we spent an hour and 30 minutes chatting and telling stories so i really appreciate it thank you thank you it's Mike been awesome. go folks yes go folks yeah for everyone listening we will catch you next episode cheers hope you guys enjoyed that great episode thank you so much for listening as always huge shout out to our sponsors the oklahoma hall of fame share an oklahoma story through its people since 1927 for more information on the oklahoma hall of fame go to www oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor. They do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma and without their support, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. 
do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.